Hey, this is Carl Franklin. This is Richard Campbell. Guess what? What? We're going to be at Dev Intersection May 18th through the 21st in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yes, we are. And it's a lineup of a lot of .NET Rocks uh, guests from the past here. Ward Bell's going to be there. Chris Langford's going to be there. Yep. Paul Sheriff. And of course, Scott Guthrie. Brian Noyes. Mm-hmm. All of our friends, folks we know. And uh, it's like two weeks after Build. Yeah, that's a great time to have a conference. Absolutely. All the build keynotes are coming. So yep. we're going to be able to see all the latest bits, everything that just came out of build a couple of weeks later, uh, hopefully with some more detail in it. So it's going to be really interesting to see what we actually get at the Scottsdale Princess. Mark Miller's going to be there. Yes, he is <laughs> doing a little biology of UI, which I think is very cool. I've been over at his house watching him develop this course. And man, is it amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, I believe I'll be doing the Xamarin Forms workshop, will I not? You will indeed. And of course, we close the show every time with the 64-bit question. 64-bit question, the game show you've never seen before, and you'll wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why not. So if you'd like to join us, come out, out to Scottsdale, uh, go to devintersection.com and register right away. And if you register for a workshop as well, you get your choice of an Xbox One or a tablet. There's a bunch of different gadgets you get. Do a conference attendance and a workshop. Yeah. All right. We'll see you there. .NET Rocks, episode 1126, with guest Mike Benkovich. Recorded Saturday, March 21st, 2015. Hey, welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we are still at the Nebraska Code Camp. I'm having a great time. In Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Having a wonderful time. We had Nebraska sushi last night. Yeah, which is not, it, it just seems wrong, but it was really good. It was good. But you know, you can maki roll anything and That's it'll true. pretty much taste good. So the beef maki was good is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dog maki. Oh, uh, no, don't go there. Yeah. Uh, it bit back. Uh, no, it was actually really good. And you had some sashimi, so you had some, you know, sushi that Bigiri, actually yeah. has to. I had raw fish fresh. on rice, which I like. And it was good. It was absolutely good. Well, there you go. Yeah. So you don't have to be in Vancouver to have sushi. Yeah. You're not going to comment any further? Not a bit, no. No, okay. <laughs> Isn't the best sushi in the middle of the country, though? No, I... I uh, no, I think it, I think the places where they actually catch the fish is where you're going to get really good sushi on a reliable basis. But clearly, somebody spent some money to fly fresh fish in here. Well, if you think about it, they have to fly the fish. Yeah. So they're flying it. They have to freeze it, yep. which means they can go further out in the ocean, get less mercury in the fish. So they they sell the best fish in the middle of the country. Well, the best sushi is in, in Nebraska. Well, and all sushi fish is frozen. It's one of the ways Not to make it Not if you catch safe. it local. You, you still freeze it. It's kind of a requirement. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Welcome yeah. to guys. Three okay. guys talk about sushi. <laughs> there you go. Um, that was Mike Benko. He's going to be here in just a minute uh, talking about some stuff. But first, before we get to him, let's roll the music for a segment we call Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right, buddy. What you got? Well, it, uh, I went out on Kickstarter and I found something that's pretty cool. You probably already know about it. It's the Agent Watch. Agent Watch? I've never seen this. Oh, what you don't it? know about this? Okay. Yeah. Well, I thought you had because they have blown, they're like at a thousand percent of their goal on Kickstarter. It's awesome. ridiculous. So go to tinyurl.com slash agentwatchdnr, and it's Agent, the world's uh, smartest watch. They've got uh, over a million dollars in pledges. They had a hundred thousand dollar goal, and yes, it was funded. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, it syncs with your smartphone. Uh, it's connected with Bluetooth. It's got two processors. It's got uh, an API. It uses .NET. You can use Visual Studio. It does wireless charging, has motion and light sensors, fail-safe recovery modes, and power management. Uh, it's everything that you ever wanted in a smartwatch especially for a .NET developer because of that API. <laughs> so, you know, we have a lot of people vying for watch space. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, quote, wearable products these days. It's kind of ridiculous. But I just thought, you know, it's uh, it's got an API, and people seem to like it. So, Or at least they like the, the idea of it. They like the specs. And how long ago was this thing funded? It was funded on June 20th, 2013. 
So you would hope it's now built, yeah, right? Yeah, you would hope it's now built. Yeah, that kind of, you want it to be a product. It's been a year and a half. So you can visit agentwatches.com to get more info there. And uh, there you have it. Is that like Maxwell Smart Agent Watch? It, it appears that way. Where it could be, you know, the take on the, the software agent, you know, or the, or God forbid the, uh, what was the Microsoft agent, the little wizard? Merlin, you remember the Microsoft agent? Right. Yeah, that Clippy? spoke to Clippy. It was yeah. like Clippy, only worse. Yeah, it's <laughs> Clippy on your wrist. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so that's it. Good one, dude. Awesome. Yeah. Who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment off of show 1088, the one we did with John Sonnes. We were talking about working on career. Mm -hmm. And Dano had this awesome comment. He says, this was a great podcast. It's 2015 and I'm turning 37. I haven't pursued my master's or any certs since graduating in 2000 because I've always found well-paying work that was, quote, challenging enough. And after hours, there is always enough tempting distractions to put off studying. Mm -hmm. However, I've recently give, been given a choice to take a pay cut and stay where I am or to get a raise and learn new skills with a new team. A simple choice which has invigorated me to learn again and challenge myself. I don't like to forecast the future five years out because I know someday I'll be a gray beard. I don't like management. I like to solve problems, but I must pursue the path of a technical architect to avoid being surpassed by tomorrow's programmer. Hmm. But either way, I could tell I should put a little less time into video editing, sports, social activities, and shifting a bit more towards refining and updating my developer knowledge, and that's going to be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you don't grow, you're shrinking. Yeah, and if you're coasting, you're going downhill. That's it. So that, that's an interesting... Uh, I love the fact that John Sanmez... Immediately really commented, yeah. Immediately commented and, and just is so inspirational to these people. Yep. Yeah, it's great. To go with it. And it's, you know, it's all about the passion. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, Dano, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps because we've got them for Windows Phone 7 and 8, iOS, Android, and Windows 8. And that brings us to our guest, Mike Benkovich. Energy, laughter, and a contagious passion for coding. Mike Benkovich brings it all with him. In a career that has taken him from minion to business owner, from database administrator to developer, from author to evangelist, Mike has seen it all. In more than 25 years of working in the technology industry, he's been a part of the latest waves to sweep the industry, and he's compelled to share it all. Whether <laughs> delivering MSDN events live or webcast presentations, whether on the developer resource site, bencotips.com, B-E-N-K-O tips, or his blog, Mike brings enthusiasm for the tools and energy for the search to find a better way. Join us each week to see what's new in Benko Tips Live and On Demand as he helps developers explore the possible. All right, you got me curious. What's Benko Tips? So what is Benko Tips? It is the site I created when I was an MSDN. I worked for Microsoft for a while, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I remember. I do you remember that? I do. I was doing uh, live events, and the trouble with live events is that you have all these links that you would put up on the slide saying, hey, go to this place, get this, get this, get that. Right. And so I created Benko Tips as a place where I would just put it all, direct people to Benko Tips, take a look at this month's set of content. Got Here's it. all the links. Aggregation. Aggregation, uh, code downloads, all the sample code we did, and it just kind of grew. Oh, cool. All right. So uh, you have a, a lot of experience in the mobile web side web. of development. Yes. Yeah. So... What, uh, where can we start there? I mean, so, what's, your, what's your take on what's going on with uh, ASP.NET 5, for example? So it's interesting where uh, the mobile space is going because you, you've got the uh, Cordova phone gap kind of response to the mobile where I'm going to build it once and run it everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, you need to be responsive. You need to be thinking about how I'm going to do this. But you're writing in a stack that's got uh, HTML for your markup. Yeah. And you've got JavaScript for the back end. And as a .NET developer who's been doing a lot of C-sharp, I looked at that and I was like, well, this is cool. So we built out a responsive site using Bootstrap, got things up and going. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, the mobile space to be native and go out and build stuff, I came back to XAML. I came back to a different markup, which is using the same kind of markup language that, uh, that you use for WPF. And I plugged that in to uh, my space. So I've been doing a lot with Xamarin lately, and I've been yeah. doing a lot with C Sharp. Yeah. Just because it's, 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 it's more native to me, 
And so the Xamarin forms or native Xamarin? Oh, Xamarin forms. Yeah, Xamarin forms. Forms all the way. Yeah. So you get XAML like XAML. It's XAML. Kind of like XAML, but I don't know what you think. But even though there are deficiencies, there are some things they do better, mm-hmm. like the way they they have binding uh, syntax where you can specify a string format, for right. example, instead of having to use a converter. Well, the, the, there's the thing about the XAML in uh, in Xamarin is it still does support all the converters you can still go out and create. Mm. And so we've been doing that. We've been playing around a lot with um, trying to get the binding two-way right. so that you end up with you know a syntax where you're declaratively describing what your interface is going to look like as opposed to sitting down saying, oh, I want this element and I got to write a bunch of script behind it to do things. It's like I can embed that in the syntax. And the binding and the seems clearer to me yeah. than it does in WPF. Does yeah. it? Is that your experience too? I've found that for what I'm doing and the kinds of stuff that we're doing, that it's a lot faster mm. and it's a lot clearer how you're doing your binding because you've got, you've got the binding, you've got styles. So you can actually use the static resource to go out and pull in a style for uh, different elements. You've got um, the ability to literally take advantage of all the things. The trouble with Xamarin that I found though is that it is in talking to uh, James Montenegro, I think is his name. Yep. Montemagno. Have you ever talked to him? Have you oh, ever yeah. Yeah. gotten a rocks? We did a tour and with him. The cool part about that is that it's XAML, but it's a newer spec of XAML than what Windows implemented. Right. And coming from the Windows side of things, where I've got all of my designers and all of the stuff, it's been tricky to transfer my names to what Xamarin implements. Stack panel is now stack layout. Exactly. And, that, and the list goes on and on. And, and once again, we're fragmenting XAML, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's another XAML stack. And, and, and the same thing they did with Silverlight. It's like Silverlight and WPF are different. Right. And Windows Phone. Slightly right. different. I'm going to say that it's a good idea. And here's why. If you have the same names, you expect the same behavior. Yes. Right. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. But I'd rather have just the same stack. Like, why do we have to have why multiple we, versions of XAML? Well, you're going to have to rewrite the write, rewrite it anyway because it's a different behavior, right? Well, so why why name things the same name no. when they act and behave differently? No, they now, definitely want them to behave the same. It's just a yeah. question of, but you they know, can't. We keep having these Venn diagram sets of XAML. I think it just drives developers crazy. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the alternative is worse. Personally. Well, and and part of it comes back to just recognizing that. Yeah, you know, it would be great if they could unify the XAML stack and come mm. to one center place mm-hmm. for because like you build universal apps on Windows yeah. is different than Silverlight Five for phone. It's yeah. different from WPF, and it's like some of these things are sort of the same, but like a hub and a hub section that's a universal idea, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it, the the whole unification of XAML has been a great goal at, at Microsoft for a long time. And now you've got Xamarin out there playing as well. Yeah. And one thing that they did with naming things just enough different so that you're not talking about the same things is it does help because you're realizing it's a different it thing. It is actually different. Yeah. But you know, here's a, and here's a call that used to work and now it doesn't do anything mm-hmm. because it doesn't exist in this stack. Right. And you know, then you get questions like, why don't you support the this property or the that property or the, because you there's nothing to support right that platform. you're on a different platform yeah right yeah so uh when you talk about mobile and you talk about how you're going to connect things up yeah on the client side i've been i've been diving into the xaml into into xamarin and mm. playing around with that i did do some stuff with the cordova and we were going to go down that path but you know, it is, it is what it is. I did a workshop here this week on Xamarin Forms, and again, it took a half day to get everybody up to speed, and that is what I allocated in right. terms of time. And it turns out that, yeah, you do need a half day to get half a, do- just a, to get a the, dozen people. Just to get to a yeah. compiling environment. Yeah, right. just right. to get to Hello Forms. That's right. Yeah. Which is your basic, ma- you know, that, that infrastructure is important, right? Like, it just takes time to get that working. Right, and it is also very valuable to everybody to do that in a group. Yeah, yeah. Fight all of the problems together. Yeah, and they can help each and other and step the, through. Right. Yeah, I used to do the uh, the Windows Azure boot camps. And yeah, you spend the first half day just getting people to the point where they can do... Hello world. Hello world in the cloud. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's the necessary task. And then you can start building from there. We used to grab Northwinds and call it hello world and <laughs> do awful things after that. But it's always the same basic task. But I tell people, the first thing I say in that class is... 
this is still tweaky. Lower your expectations. <laughs> the but, secret but to happiness just, yeah, that's is low expectations. Because? Because you're, you're usually right and occasionally pleasantly surprised. I love there that. There we go. <laughs> um, but in this case, think about it. You're actually implementing three platforms at the same time. Yeah. So you have to deal with all the Android problems. You have to deal with all the iOS problems. And, uh, and believe it or not, the Windows Phone emulator problems, which there are some. <laughs> they do exist because really? you know Hyper V is important to them, and if you're doing Xamarin Forms, you're probably in some sort of VM, and VMware, for example, doesn't support Hyper V. Right. Uh, we had one guy who who couldn't turn it on in the BIOS, who couldn't turn on Hyper V in the BIOS. Like it, it was there, it was right. grayed out, it was just not supported. Yeah. yeah. And so it may not. It may they've used the same BIOS image, but he may not have had the extensions. Right. Whatever. But without I mean, him, he's hooped. There's so many things that can go wrong. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting where you take the client side and then you look at the server side mm. and how do you how do you expose out the data to all of those clients that now you've got? Mm. And so that's, you know, Xamarin is a, is a cool tool. PhoneGap's a cool tool. Have you yeah. played around with, with the PhoneGap tools, the, uh, was it mobile or hybrid mobile? app extensions for Visual Studio, I think is what they call it. That's right. Yeah, I did, I've done it on a few, a few different ways. Yeah, Telerik's got their version. Ionic's another version. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are all these different wrappers over top of Cordova. It's generally right. not the PhoneGap stuff that stumbles me. It's the actual HTML, JavaScript, CSS that, right. that gets me. Because I'm not, you know, I can do a few things, but I'm not a designer. Well, the trouble with HTML is while that may be a great language, if that's your native language, go for it. It is a different thing than other stuff. And, mm. you know, how many languages are you going to learn? I mean, we've been doing this for a long time. Mm. And there's been a lot of languages. There's been, you know, everything from Commodore Basic up through all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, how many languages do I need to learn? <laughs> how many stacks do I want to go out and do? Right? It seems to me that JavaScript is the immortal language now. I mean, it's like the, the line I've heard is, as long as there's an internet, there's going to be JavaScript. Right. And that, that seems like it's not going to go away. I can't imagine C Sharp going away, but there was a time when I thought VB wouldn't go away. You know, like there are, it's a robust language in a lot of places and a lot of incarnations, but stuff's going to happen. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's evolution of things. It's the uh, commitment to continue that evolution. Mm -hmm. And when you add a feature here or there, I mean, the difference between VB and C Sharp versus other languages. Like the link syntax, you know, you've got in VB, um, linked XML is like a native thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, which is a beautiful thing. Wonderful. But, and link's been so cool. You're seeing it pop up into other languages now. Mm hmm. You know, that, that to me is, a, you know, a sign that, that, that gives that capability is now important enough that other languages are implementing variations on it. Anders, you, you win. Yes. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I feel like, C-sharp's kind of done, and I'm not saying done in a negative way. It's like, from here, you could really only add bad features. <laughs> you think? It's, it's, well, it's one, I think it's one of the reasons they have pushed it to open source. Right. Is now it's like, if you want to add bad features, do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But meantime, they can, they can stick with a core set that's really good. It right. sure is. Well, the language, the whole thing with, with, with where C Sharp is at and the evolution of the languages and also the whole push to open source. Did you see they open source some more stuff um, just this week at the .NET conference? Was it the core? Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. .NET and core? They're, they're pushing that out. Xamarin actually pushed out a, uh, a new thing. If you're contributing to open source and whatever, they want to make sure you have the tools to use it. So they'll give you a business license for Xamarin. Yeah, you get a Xamarin. I, there's some specific rules around yes. it, but it's like, yeah, if you're a contributor to an open source project, you can have a Xamarin license. If you're testing stuff that would be using it so that you would need that license. Right. And it's, you you you, you apply, it's not like a given thing. They're not thing, just giving but, it out. Yeah. But uh, the whole idea of being able to use a single language to tame all of the different mobile spaces all the different clients, that's pretty awesome. It's an interesting idea. And we haven't even talked about F-sharp because clearly there's a resurgence in functional languages. Yeah. And there's some interesting folks and really interesting software being built in that space. I don't know that it is or should be a general purpose language. Right. Although, in theoretically, that's what F-sharp's actually become. But it's a different way of thinking about the problem. I know mm -hmm. I, I look at it the same way I look at SQL in the sense of it's good for these tasks. 
right. you know, computationally intensive, naturally distributed. Those Data. are the sorts of things that F sharp really shines in. Yeah. So we're not going to live with one language. I mean, that's just not. You, as soon as people say there's going to be one language, you just pull up the SQL card. Well, <laughs> when 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 they introduced the ability to build native Windows apps with JavaScript and HTML, yeah, how'd that go? That was an interesting flavor, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I get politically why they went that way with WinJS. Yeah. It just didn't seem like anybody cared. And it, Chris Sells cared. Chris Sells cared. He cared a lot. Works for Google now. Yeah. <laughs> he cared, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, if you, th if you look at, I mean, it's like the, the mail app is written in HTML and JavaScript, and you have all these different things that are HTML and JavaScript. You know, and, and the trouble for me is, is trying to get my mind around Another markup, another backend that, you know, yeah, I should know this for all the web stuff, but it's like, you know, I come back to, you come back to what you know. Yeah. Well, and that's it. Do you want to know everything? Right. Or do you want to pick a horse and run with it? I, I yeah. kind of need to be productive, right? Like I got, right. I got stuff to build. Learning languages is a necessary residual to building stuff. Right. But once you've got a tool set that works for you, go build stuff. Right. Right. Well, and, and the, the thing that people talk to me about is like, okay, well, I'm this kind of a developer. Should I go out and learn that language to do this? And it's like, if you can reuse your existing skill set, that is a huge. I think it, yeah, skill sets is what I'm generally measuring when I'm looking at teams and figuring out how we're going to do stuff. It's got yeah. more to do with what do we know how to do. The funny part is that you sometimes get into cases where you're so far down your stack and working around its demons to get results you know, you don't realize how much easier other folks have got it for some things. I think this was the experience for a lot of folks with Ruby. Mm. Right. So, you know, mm -hmm. building websites in the old JavaScript, you know, in the Crockford, you mm -hmm. know, JavaScript, the good parts time, mm -hmm. and then, and the struggles around the early versions of ASP.NET and those sorts of things. It's just the, the hoops we had to get through to get done. And then you watched a guy in real time coding stuff in Ruby and making pages and they worked yeah. right. fast. And, and he had a big grin on his face while he was doing it, <laughs> yep. you know? And that's where he's like, hey, you know, there's, that's not just grass is greener. That's awfully good at that rapid prototyping. Right. It has other issues. The grass right. is green and it grows pretty fast. Yeah. Right. You know, Ruby was you have to mow it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I love analogies. Or else dad's going to get mad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I definitely don't believe in the one right way. Right. But it's interesting to see, you know, what, what the balancing act is between really knowing your stack and working around demons all the time and living with a level of, like, if you're beaten every day, you just don't notice it anymore. <laughs> right, 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 right. Wow, we're in, like, Ouch. an analogy hell here. <laughs> <laughs> Got dark pretty fast. Yeah. Um, so do you think XAML is coming back? And I don't mean that it ever really went away because I've been developing WPF for customers the whole time. Right. But but it seems sort of like, uh, well, let me tell you something. We At Franklin's Net, we used to uh, sell DVD classes that Billy Hollis did in, on Silverlight development. And it was very popular while mm -hmm. Silverlight was popular. And then for some reason, nobody, they stopped calling. I don't know why. Well, uh, Silverlight? Right. <laughs> I actually got a request for one of those DVDs today. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. And it's not so much that Silverlight's coming back, I don't think. Mm. But maybe XAML in general, like the stuff that Billy's teaching about XAML binding, well, is is going to play a more prominent role soon. When you when you think about HTML, it's a twenty five year old markup language. It's got its warts. It's been around, mm. but it's you know, also and XAML evolved. is you know what seven eight years that it's been out. Yeah, you yeah. know it's, it's half the age of HTML, and it was built for a different different space. Mm. And and with Silverlight. You know, they said, oh, Silverlight is dead because we're going to kill it off. But on the other hand, what is Silverlight? It's a XAML rendering engine. Yeah, right. And, and Microsoft like, never is. said that. Microsoft's right. never said no. anything like that. Right. No. It's, it, I think it was Paul Therod who said Silverlight was dead. Right. And I like Paul, but it doesn't make him right. No. And I've but, said it before. It's a great way to develop a, a Windows app that you can deliver through a browser. Yep. It's a XAML rendering engine. And when you think about XAML, you know, from a more purist kind of a sense... 
WPF is a XAML rendering engine. Yeah. Silverlight is a XAML rendering engine. Mm -hmm. Xamarin is a XAML rendering engine. Absolutely. And the thing about XAML is it gives you the opportunity to have a .NET backend that ties into the markup, which has got binding syntax, it's got styling, it's got the ability to do dictionaries, to do, um, you know, the cascading stuff. I mean, the, the whole thing with what is XAML, I think, you know, rhymes with camel, is that it is a, what? <laughs> rhymes with Bamel. <laughs> Bamel is right. Rhymes with the go- the first name of the governor of Connecticut, Daniel. Right. Well, let's get into politics. All right. Nice. But the I'm from it, Connecticut. To I your point. Yeah, to the point <laughs> is that you know Silverlight may be dead. It may be used for certain things, but they're going to come up with another XAML rendering engine for blah for blah for you know whatever. Yeah. Universal Apps uses a different, slightly different syntax of XAML, but mm. the constructs of what XAML is and and. And so you look at it and you say, should I build this in HTML or should I build it in XAML? Right. What are the strengths of the two? And right. you look at HTML as a core language, doesn't support the binding stuff. You've got Angular and all these other things that you Knock can out. add to it, yeah. right. but it's not native. Yes. And so native to XAML are all of these constructs, which is where the fact that I can build one XAML stack and rule all of the different things yeah. is pretty compelling. It is compelling. Well, and it- it also addresses that, you know, we talk about, okay, HTML across all the stacks, da 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 You actually try and make it render on all the browsers. Oh. And I'm thinking in terms of specifically of something Silverlight did well that I don't think has otherwise been solved, which is deploying apps to the Mac. Because mm-hmm. Safari is a grumpy browser. Yeah, yeah it's you a know? little grumpy. And it's you're a, dependent on each browser's implementation yeah, of and, what that markup language looks like. And right? there's some folks out there who've called Safari the new IE6 in the sense that there's <laughs> lots of them out there. It's got archaic features. There doesn't seem to be a path forward on it. Like, it's kind of stuck the same way IE6 got stuck. Right. So, you know, suddenly there is no replacement for Silverlight on the Mac in terms of being able to build a piece of software to run on Windows and, and Mac consistent. with a consistent UI, great look, simple coding style. Like, that's the piece that's missing. There's lots of ways to build Windows apps other than Silverlight that'll give you the same results. But for the Mac, not so much. Right. Well, and that brings us back to Xamarin, who announced uh, support for Universal Apps, I believe they yep. did. Yes. Just yesterday or yesterday. the day before. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we were actually in the class, to the Xamarin Forms class, and somebody said, hey, check out Channel 9. And there's Scott Hanselman and James Montemagno talking about uh, Xamarin Forms supporting Windows 8 apps, or Metro apps, or whatever they used to be called. Yeah. But uh, So there's another platform that they support. I wonder if Xamarin's flavor of XAML will be the flavor of XAML for all these platforms. Will it be the XAML that rules all? Will it be? Or, and, <laughs> well, and what about Betty Lou? No, seriously, what about Microsoft? I'm, they're obviously announcing some stuff at Build. We yep, don't really right. know what's going on. That's coming up in, what, two, three weeks? But it smells like, yeah. it smells like back to XAML to me. It's back to XAML, and it's back to the future. And, you know, with, with the, the trouble that I have with Xamarin is the lack of a designer that will render out what you're doing while you're doing it. Yeah, you know, and there's just some tooling with that, everything that around be, XAML. One of the things about XAML that we always talk about was, hey, it's, it's XAML. You can have all this great tooling that everyone can go out and build and get any, you know, any kind of a, of a rendering engine. That's where Expression Blend came in. Right. Mm. It's like, here's a tool for designers. They can go and build in XAML and they're marking up their UI and it just saves it and then you just add code to it. Well, isn't the problem that we need to run on each platform's emulator? Mm-hmm. And so having all those things running in real time at the same time is near impossible, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. But uh, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yep. Time to put on my spectacles of native development so I can see sharp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Groans. You got there. Groans. Uh, you got there. All right. Thanks. I'm with you, man. It's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you about Telerik Next. Telerik Next is the first annual global developer and customer conference from Telerik held at the prestigious Hyatt Boston Harbor Conference Center in Boston, Massachusetts on May 4th and 5th. Telerik invites you to come and join with developers from around the world to learn about modern app development and Telerik tools and best practices. From web to mobile to desktop, no platform will be left behind. 
Register today at TellericNext.com to reserve your conference pass, plus the attendee party at the Science Center, and a special keynote from Mythbusters host Grant Imahara. So check it out. Use the promo code NETROCKS for $50 off the price. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Gene Hibbert. Congratulations, Gene. Gene just won a Telerik DevCraft collection just for being a member of the fan club. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December we give away $5,000 in form of a technology shopping spree. Indeed. To one lucky member of the fan club, but you got to sign up to win. And we like to ask our guests, if you had, uh, Mike, if you mm -hmm. had... $5,000 to spend today on technology. Uh, technology, what would you buy? Well, first of all, it would be probably a ticket to Hawaii so I could enjoy it. <laughs> oh. the, uh, the technology, probably, uh, you know, build out a new uh, developer PC and mm -hmm. plug in all the different tools. So That has funny. been a, a fairly common theme amongst right. the actual winners. Like, we speculate on all kinds yeah. of things, Bills, but right. it comes down to it. Most of the time, winners on, these, on this Dot Run Rocks annual thing have been devs who want better dev tools. Better dev tools. You want, you want a, a, a PC that's going to have, what, 256 gig of RAM? Sure. Yeah, that's all that. Cores. Yeah. <laughs> you want uh, something that's going to be, oh, wait, you can get that in the uh, cloud, right? Yeah. Azure, the, the G12. Uh, then, yeah, those, it's, it's funny how big those instances have gotten. Gig of RAM. Yeah. How many right. Docker containers of Linux servers could you put in 256 gigs of RAM? <laughs> oh, boy. And you could probably run them all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you need, for me personally, um, if I hadn't already gone out and invested in this, I'd be buying devices. I'd be getting different, different Android devices, different, different tablets, iOS different devices. Phones, like mm -hmm. I would end diversity. up with, with like 15 or 20 different tablets and devices to test my stuff. Across. Yeah, we priced it out one time and came right. up with pretty much we could get you one of everything at for, the time for about five grand. It was a couple of years ago. Yeah. We priced that out, but it's like, yeah, you can have a Xamarin license for everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is not inexpensive, actually. Which is not inexpensive. Yeah. That would be a part of that. Yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, good, sweet. And, and like I said, just a, the whole mobile dev story. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if this is, is this just reality for development going forward? You're here, here I was harassing about the Mac and, mm. and, and we're dealing with the phones and complaining about emulators, but it doesn't matter whether you're building for the web, you got to test on all the different browsers. You want to build cross-platform with XAML, you got to test with all the different emulators. Yep. Like, yeah. Is this just Devices. our lives now to deal with heterogeneous clients? You know, you look back in the 80s when the PC was kind of evolving and you went from, you know, the original stack, you had the, 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 the uh, Commodore people, you had the Trash 80, or TRS Well, that's, 80s. I mean, the even earlier you know, stuff. But, but it's like, at some point, the PC came along and said, well, we're going to be available to everyone and the compatible and whatever. Mm -hmm. And IBM lost the market because Compaq came along and all of these other things. Right. And mm -hmm. you end up with, you know what, what? What became the PC world, and it and it ruled ninety percent of the market. Yes, and there's not that same thing happening on the mobile space. There's well, not. One would because, argue that was the anomaly because before yeah. that moment, you had the Atari ST yeah. and the Amiga mm -hmm. and the early Mac. That's 1984, yeah. right? Alongside the PC, they were all competing with each other, and somebody won out. Mm -hmm. But you know, fragmentation has been the norm for computing. We just had this weird little. What Blurb. fifteen year window yes. where it was the Wintel hegemony? It's a double edged yeah. sword for us because we, we the good thing about having all of these platforms is that we can reach more people. Yes, the bad thing is that it's more platforms, it's more work for us. But you know, first world problems. Yeah, that's the way I right. look at it's, it. Oh darn, more work, more work, <laughs> that's more money. Well. When you look at, at, at the, you know, the market share of different mobile platforms, yes. I mean, you've got Apple's got 18%, Google or Droid has got 90 or 80%. Right. Although Windows it's has not 5%. a common platform, really. Right? I mean, it's, uh, if you actually fragment into all the Android flavors, iOS is still dominant at 18%. There's right. no single Android device that has 18% of the marketplace. Right. And if you didn't, hmm. you know, every time I talk to guys doing native Android development, it's like you test device to device. Yes. It is, you, it's not consistent. Yeah. Hmm. And you spend all your time trying to figure out, okay, well, what are the devices people are buying? Yeah. 
Well, so they start with an that S, going? They start with uh, Samsung S5. Mm-hmm. It's it's the biggest for, for the moment. I mean, who knows? The, S6 the Note will win, Four, right? Right. Both guys who have Note Fours love them. Ah. Yeah. What was that story we, you were telling me at the uh, at the speaker party about the uh, which 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 story? I think it was the first one we started with, but I can't remember now. But I was laughing my proverbial butt off. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. There, there's lots of different stories, but did I ever tell you about um, the time? So so people say, what do you do? And you know, I, I go out and I speak at conferences and I speak and I share what I've learned just because I feel that it's important to do things like that. Yeah. Right. To give back the things that I've learned. And, uh, we started even at, at Toastmasters for Geeks in Minneapolis and where we grow speakers, where we have people come along and they say, you know what? We're going to be, um, teaching you. What do you need to know to be able to go out and talk at conferences? Why would you want to do that? Cause it builds up cred- credibility and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was flying to Dallas for a team meeting when I was back at Microsoft and you know you guys travel yeah you know you ever get upgraded to first class and it's like oh yeah it doesn't happen much anymore sometimes used to happen a lot more and so anyway I was I was sitting up there and I got upgraded and I'm sitting up in in a one or you know front first row and I'm sitting next to a guy gray hair and whatever and and he's talking on the phone he's kind of angry kind of like okay and uh you know, the plane starts taxiing and I like you know, introduce myself being the extrovert that I am. Yep. So what do you do? And he says, well, I'm the angel of death. <laughs> nice. You're Joseph Mengele. <laughs> Look around going, okay, is there another seat here? Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly my upgrade ain't so good. <laughs> All of a sudden it's like, okay. And he says, well, let me, let me explain a little bit. He says, you know, I'm a, I'm a turnaround specialist. I'm flying down to Dallas because we've got a company we just bought. And uh, they're bringing me in to find the hurt, cut it out, and you know make it profitable. Right. So I'm going down to see who lives and who dies. Yeah. The angel of death. Yes. Right. Hmm. And and he's like, you know, I only have so many of these in me. It's like, you know, you 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 grow these gray hair by virtue of living that kind of a life. Yeah. And the thing that was interesting was like we were talking about, you know, how do you connect to people and how do you know who you're going to like go, who you're going to keep. And he says, you know, I'll get in a room and it's a one-to-many situation where, you know, they're all presenting their ideas and, you know, some of them we like, some of them we don't. He said, but, it, you know, it, it, at 12 o'clock, I go for a walk. You know, wherever it is, we're going to go, I'm just going to go for a walk and whoever wants to tag along will come along. Mm-hmm. And he said, in those walks, you know, the people that come along and, and, and chat and whatever, it's a one-to-one relationship. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and as an evangelist at Microsoft, I did a lot of one-to-many kind of things where I'm up there and I'm showing all these different things. But we would stop at the end of those events. We do this thing called .NET uh, Pub Club. Right. That, that Russ Festino. Yeah. Was, yeah was, go was, out and have a beer and go talk and have one-to-one. A, and you sit down and it's like, okay, so what are you doing? And it's that one-to-one relationship that you develop with people to find out what's really important, that then you turn around and say, okay, well, how can I help you find the answers to what you're looking for? And this guy, the angel of death, was like, that's where I'm going to sit down, I'm going to meet the people, and I'll know who to keep and who not to based on, you know, and he said that walk was probably the most important part of his day. Wow. You know, and it's, and it is, it is all coming back to, um, the relationships. It's the, you know, the, I, I talk about, uh, the, the three P's of, of, of a happy life is, is you've got your, your passion about something that you care about, like XAML. You know, I can tell Carl, you're passionate about XAML. Yeah, I kind of like it. It's, it's a cool thing, you know, and it's technology. And .NET Rocks is a passionate show. It's cool. Yeah. Right. But you have your passions. You have your people that you meet, like Dustin, you know, who, you know, we hang out with, or Adam, or anyone else that's, you know, sitting out there that's like, you know, you get to meet people on the way mm-hmm. and create those relationships. But the thing that's important in life in general, I feel, is that you participate, mm-hmm. that you show up, you buy a ticket, and you get into the game, mm. and you participate in that conversation. And so Tech Masters for us in the Twin Cities is all about helping people to find a way that they can get in and connect those three things Mm -hmm. into, you know, the next level, which is, hey, I'm going to get out and I'm going to share back all this stuff that I've done back to everyone else. Mm -hmm. So uh, in your travels, in your conference Mm -hmm. travels, you find that uh, you have, uh, when you're working for the man, let's say... Uh, trouble justifying going to these conferences? Does, does the boss uh, usually 
look for some sort of concrete proof that there's benefit and value to the company? It's funny. I was talking to my CFO. Um, she was going to pick up my kids, you know, because she's also my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and so since I left Microsoft, what, two, three years ago, I've been doing my own thing. And right. I do need to say, you know, how do I justify going to Lincoln, Nebraska, which is seven hours away hmm. from home and spend the time there doing this? And, and I come back to these three things. And it's, it is. It is the passion of people and, and, and the participation in things. And she gets it. It's, it. It comes back to reinvigorating who you are and what you do. I mean, you walk out of this, things like this, and it, it, for me, it just gives me energy. It, it gives me the, the reason to dive back in and to try to figure well, something out. Well, and you're out. a speaker, and granted, you know, it gives speakers a, a, a way more advantage in advancing their speaking career. But mm -hmm. if you were an attendee, uh, trying to justify to the boss. Oh yeah. I mean, that can be difficult. But but here's the thing, and we've seen this over and over again. People come up to you after you deliver a talk, and they say, "That one nugget, you know, that that thing that you said there, that lasted 30 seconds, right, was worth the price of admission to me, right? You know, and 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 I found that to be true when I was just an attendee of these conferences. Well, yeah. You yeah, you find something that saves you. Hours, maybe days, maybe weeks. Well, I mean, of the, time. participation takes different flavors, right? And to participate as an attendee is participating. Sure, mm -hmm. it's showing up and it's saying, okay, well, you know, someone else has, has has gone through these problems, has has seen this stuff, and yeah, if you don't know that it can do that, and you're you know trying to invent the world, you know, why reinvent the wheel? I mean, it's just it's, you know, the funny part is. Even as a speaker, you're mostly an attendee. You know, I've done two talks at this thing. Mm. The rest of the time, I'm an attendee. Right. You know, that's sort of the reality of it. It's just because you're a speaker. It's, that's only one small chunk of your time at mm -hmm. an event. Most <laughs> of the time, you're attending too. Life is too short to drink cheap beer. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't participate, you don't show up. You're 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 living too cheaply. And you, and it it is a it is a commitment of time and energy to show up. But I think that, you know, whatever it is you're doing, there is a way to, to make that happen. You know, and, and, and I have yet to find the talk that I go to that I don't learn something. Yeah. I don't walk yeah. out of it saying, oh, you know what? I didn't think of it that way. Yep. Yeah. It's, and somebody else has put more attention into a particular space than you have and can come out with some light for you. Well. It makes a big difference. It comes back to recognizing you're not the only brilliant person on this face of this earth. Right. And it, yeah, most of the time, it's not actually about you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, learning from your mistakes, learning from failures. Do you have any uh, that you want to share? Oh. And leave the names out? Yeah, or leave the names out. Yeah. yeah. Well, depends on what you mean by learning from failure. But, you know, I think that uh, my grandma Wallace was a, uh, an incredible person. And she always was the kind of person that was like, you need to participate. You need to get into this and try things. And you don't mm. learn from success. You learn from your failures. Mm. And yes, failure is going to happen. And when it does, what do you do about it? And that's what makes the difference, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Don't sweat the small stuff. And everything is small stuff. Well, and if you expect to fail, that's even better. Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> you, you want to obviously succeed, but... You, but in the back of your mind, you should say, you know, this is going to happen. How am I going to deal with that? Well, like like you said earlier, you know, ex the uh, lowering the bar of expectations right. low enough so that you can be happy. Yeah. You know, the world is not going to always be there to please you. I mean, that's not that's not a job. It is to um, deal with the expectation that things are going to go the wrong way, that you're going to have to, you know, react to things. Um, I think that it's hard to find people who are willing to buy into the ownership of delivering things. I don't know. Have you found that? That, you know, it's like there's, there's the developer who I'm working eight to five and at five o'clock I clock out and, you know, mm -hmm. whatever I got done today is great. And then you've got the developers like, I own this. And if it's not right, I'm going to keep working on it until it is right. Right. Well, they want to sign their name to it. They want to be able to say, hey, I did that and it was a success. It's a reflection of who I am. Right. There's, but there's also a fundamental conflict. Delivering software means losing the baby. Like, it goes away. <laughs> I was working on that. I really enjoyed that time building that. Yeah. When mm -hmm. it's the worst thing that happened is it got finished. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's horrible. Well, then, then it's like, what do you do? Yeah, I'm lost. Write more bugs. I was, I was finally no, coming, no. because you spend the first half of the development of a project uncomfortable in the space, right? Still trying right. to figure out the domain. What am I actually trying to build here? You know, halfway through, the picture finally becomes clear, and you race along, you know, way more productive, and then it ends. Oh, good. I get to be incompetent again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go and just lay in my bed. And yeah. <laughs> Sob a little, really. Right, right. <laughs> oh, you know, and and it's 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 a feast or famine. It seems like, you know, what, what do you do? You find that you're either too busy or not busy enough. No, I think I've been too busy for yeah. a decade. I can't think. I don't even think any other way. Right. Yeah. I have a problem saying no. Yeah. Yeah. You're a people pleaser. <laughs> I, I guess I. You know, I just like to have fun things to work on. Well, and fun is, you know, what you make of it, right? It's like, it's like the Kinect. You know, that's a cool technology, and it's just interesting to spend some time on it. Hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to be doing a, a couple of apps for the Windows space that's going to be coming out here soon, and it's getting the time to be able to spend on that mm-hmm. and to, to do it. So, you know, like in, in Toastmasters, you've got this thing that's a timer. You've got a five- to seven-minute speech, and so you have, like, a little timer that's got a light on it. Right. I want to build this thing. I've, I've been wanting to build a little LED light up, little you know, plastic ED deal that I can sell to everyone. Right. If you click on your phone, you say start the speech, and it mm-hmm. you know updates the web and does SignalR stuff. So you know the stuff that uh, Brady Gaster's doing with the SignalR mm-hmm. is cool, and it's like tying that into Xamarin. So then I've got the Xamarin you know signaling the stuff up and down, and you've got all of these things connected, and it's like how do you get there? Yeah, there's a lot of pieces to it, but you know that's the that's the fun part of the job is a, a set of technologies with a solution that'll you know, mm-hmm. make that meaningful. SignalR mm-hmm. is one of those things where, yeah, you always get a thrill about it. There's so many possibilities there. Just don't build another chat app. Please save me, right? But, uh, yeah, you've come up with an interesting application where you want to steadily signal to that. Yeah, where, where it's the Internet of Things, and I really want to be able to get into that side of things. So it's, it's coming back to, you know, okay, we're well, getting beyond just the device but getting into other kinds of Devices. I am going to technology. jump full head into Hololens development. Oh, that's my yeah. plan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm jumping full. I don't. Whenever I whenever I have one, whenever it comes out, when the SDK comes out, that I'm gonna hold up in in my studio and and just hack on that thing until something awesome happens. It's a cool yeah. cool idea. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it actually works and how tough it is to develop for like that. Yeah. To me, you know, it's really interesting. We all love the the the, the original Surface, the what they now call PixelSense, that table. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted one. You right. know? A, it was expensive, mm-hmm. but B, the programming model was super challenging. Yeah, and it, it was. just you know, with that much friction, you only get so much time to try before right. you have to move on. Well, I think the, the friction levels are really important. The original Surface was what sixteen thousand dollars to buy one. Yeah, they got it down to you seven. Know? But that's yeah, how it was a coffee table. It was twenty originally, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And and so you take the technology and it evolves down into something that you know, you can put it on your, your phone now, where they've got the same camera technology and the you know, the recognition of things. Mm-hmm. It's like in the connect you have the skeletons that you, that it tracks. Right. So why can't I do that on the phone? Yeah, I well, it's a just about technology. Enough sensors. Yeah. Yeah. About the sensors. Sensors and technology and joy. That's where I'm thinking, you know, this IoT thing is going to get really interesting as we get arrays and arrays of sensors and start looking at the overall sense of data. Rather, you know, even the Kinect is bound yeah. to a sensor, right? It's that infrared sensor that does the bulk of the heavy lifting for that. What happens when it's dozens of sensors? Well, and hundreds or thousands. And to me, IoT isn't about the device. It's about the data. Right. It's right. about making sense of all that data. It's going to be fairly easy and, and quite frankly... I think we're going to have people that just go out and get streams and streams of data in, in pretty quick time. I don't think yeah. that's the challenge. Challenge is how do I make sense of that data? Yeah. Well, and and you know, there's there's people who figure out how to how to recognize different things, like um, just things you didn't think of. Yeah. You know, like a a laser on the back of a plane prop as it goes by. You know that you can draw on the back of that. Bill Steele put together this really cool idea, and it's like, okay, well, you know, re- infrared recognizing that the you know the plane prop is going by, he's able to draw on the back of it, and he's like, well, this is kind of cool. 
you know. And he ended up, you know, licensing it out. But the thing is, is that he recognized... So he could project an image uh, on or, the back or of the drawing prop. text or something on the back of the prop so the pilot can see it. Right, as you're flying down. As you're flying. Right. That's pretty cool. It's very cool. And what he realized was, you know, it's like, okay, I've got my laser, but why couldn't I do three lasers? Three mm -hmm. different colors. All of a sudden, he's got real color. Wow. And then he's like, well, you know, the, the prop as it goes by isn't going by flat. It goes by at an angle. I could hit it here, 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 and I've got true 3D. Oh, jeez. Wow. And That's he's only, And he's still only using like three of the eight cores on his chip. <laughs> there's still, there's but, still but, more to do there. But the thing is, is you stretch your mind into, well, what else could you do with these sensors, with these different, you know, that's out there? Right. I mean, it, there's so many, it, 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 you know. It's mind-boggling. It is. The world yeah. is your breadbasket. You get to choose what you want to do. Right. It's like a fresh, you know, as smooth as a fresh jar of Skippy. So uh, what's <laughs> next for you? <laughs> smooth as a fresh jar of Skippy. Nice. Where are you from, actually? <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, so what's next for you? What's in your inbox? What's, what's on your to-do list? So I'm, I'm working with a startup out of Des Moines right now. Uh, we're going to deliver that probably in the next uh, next three two to three weeks mm -hmm. and then it's a matter of stepping into i've got a couple apps i'm going to build for um for windows and then a couple apps i'm going to do for just kind of cross-platform and then see what happens next sounds good mike benko thank you very much for joining hey, us Carl. mike benko everybody see you next time on dotnet rocks .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a